Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, it's the end of another week and we are wrapping up our discussion on the doctrine of hell and this big question of how eternal punishment can be fair. And at this point in the conversation, I think we've answered that. And uh, now we're getting to sort of, as I said yesterday, more of the emotionally charged part of this discussion, which is, so what are you saying exactly about my friends and my family who may have died and and not ever accepted Jesus? What does that mean? And how do I do? I really have to uh, do. I really have to take this this one all the way, right? And and that's a tough. It's just a tough place to go, and it's a tough question to ask. But we're going to ask it. Um, I want us to 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 consider not to make this easy because it's not easy. But I want us to consider maybe some aspects of this kind of a question that uh, maybe we haven't considered before. And and part of it comes from a sociologist by, by the name of Zygmunt Bauman, which is exactly the kind of a name that you would expect this old pipe-smoking sociology professor to have. But he wrote an account uh, from his own studies into sociology and, and human behavior and things like that. And he gives this account of a study that they did where they tracked hijacking victims uh, from airplanes and such and different traumas that people experienced with their spouses. And they did a really interesting sociological study where they tracked over time how many of those couples were still together years later after experiencing that sort of a shared trauma. And this is what he wrote. He, he said this, uh, a journalist of Le Monde interviewed former hijack victims and found an abnormally high incidence of divorce among couples who jointly experienced the hostage agony. Most interviewees told him that they had never contemplated a divorce before the hijack. But during the horrifying episode, however, their eyes opened, their, the, their words, not, uh, not the interviewers, and they saw their partners in a new light. Ordinary good husbands proved to be selfish creatures, caring only for their own stomachs. Daring businessmen displayed disgusting cowardice. Resourceful men of the world fell to pieces and did little except bewailing their imminent perdition. And so part of what we take from this is the idea, at least, that we ought to consider, and that is that in the final judgment, when people are standing before God, we think of them, we, we tend to think of our friends and our family who've gone before us uh, and who have died and are maybe in eternal torment right now, we tend to think of them as we knew them. And that's perfectly natural that there's, I mean, how else would we think of them, right? But part of what I think Bauman is touching on here is this idea that in certain circumstances, that gets stripped away, that the, the, the real person 
underneath all the the social veneer and the 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 social fabric i guess of civilization and of norm normality once that gets taken away and once the quote-unquote real person is exposed uh, even in this hijacking situation the people who came out of that were ugly and they were unrecognizable to their own spouses which is why they ended up getting divorces and if that's possible from some earthly trauma like uh, a plane hijacking. I just want us to consider for a moment that when all the pretense and all the social veneer and all of that is sort of stripped away, the human niceness that we talked about a few weeks ago, and people are standing before God and their souls are bared, and they're just naked before God and who they really are is on full display. Every thought and every intent of their heart, every hidden thought the the real ugliness of the, the human wickedness can can fully come out and we can see them for who they are without god which is by the way who all of us are without god i don't think we're going to recognize our friends and family that they're going to appear like strangers to us in some ways and i think that if that's even possible that it's one way that we can consider or should consider how this whole dynamic is going to work. I don't think anyone that first of all goes to hell is someone who, again, ultimately given the two choices, doesn't want to go there if the only other alternative is to submit to God. But by that same token, I don't think that they're going to be the same people that you and I knew or or remember because who they really are is who all of us really are is far uglier and darker. And we looked at that when we looked at human wickedness. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, In the long run, the answer to all those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What are you asking God to do? To just wipe out their past sins and at all costs, to just give them a fresh start and to smooth over every difficulty and to offer every miraculous help. Now get this. He has already done so on Calvary. You want God to to forgive them? They will not be forgiven. You want God to leave them alone? Alas, I am afraid that that is what he does. God gives them what they want. They don't want his forgiveness. And every opportunity to have all of the the sin and the the eternal consequences of that sin and rebellion taken care of, it's already been paid for. Jesus already paid for it. They don't want it. So what are you asking God to do at that point? And it's a fair question. In Matthew chapter 12, Uh, Verses 49 and 50, it it says this, uh, Jesus said, stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. It's hard for us to think about people that we know and love in a place like hell. But part of what Jesus is getting at in this passage is that eternally speaking, 
we are going to have a new family, a family that transcends blood and shared ancestry and things like that. And our family is those who belong to Jesus. Those are our real family, our real brothers and sisters. And even though it will be difficult, even though there's no way around it, it's going to be hard. I think this is part of why the Bible says that God's going to have to wipe away every tear from our eyes after we're in heaven, because this is not going to be uh, easy. But by the same token, um, the family that we really will have and lean into is going to be those who are with us in heaven uh, forever. Now, I'll be the first one to admit none of this, none of this feels good as far as uh, doctrine goes and dealing with a tough question. But I, I just want us to consider what if that is part of the point? What if none of this about hell and eternal separation from God and torment and punishment and all these things, what if none of that is supposed to feel good? What if, what if part of the doctrine of hell and part of the message that we're supposed to take from it is that hell is hell, <laughs> that it is terrible and awful, and that's just the way it is. However, you don't have to go there. That's, that's part of the gospel message, right? Is that hell is hell, but you don't have to go there. And that God has made a way of escape that even though that's what every single one of us deserves, it's not what every one of us gets only by the grace of God. And maybe that is part of the point. <laughs> 